0: All right, but he's in the states and, and so him and his wife are both. Fortunately for them, they're here. Uh, fortunately for them, they're here now uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska, so that's good. But y'all keep our missionaries in, in prayer because them guys are out there on the field. a lot of times they're by themselves. And if they're on the field and stuff happens to them, a lot of times its just bad. Uh, Brother uh, Spurgeon and sister Spurgeon have just left today. They're on their way. Uh, they're down south somewhere now. So y'all keep them in prayer also, they'll be gone for three months uh, out, out running around. So uh, he said he's got 12 churches to preach in 12 weeks, so he's going to be pretty busy in the process of doing it. Take your Bibles tonight, go to Titus chapter 1. brother. there's a, it's a simple thing in, in our movement, how you, I've, I've heard a lot of problems going on, there's problems everywhere. Uh, and you'll see problems no matter how you go. And, and if you get in the body of Christ, you'll get problems left and right. Uh, but there's one way that you can always be sure to uh, endure. And if you're going to endure for any length of time, uh, the Lord gives you. Paul, Paul's a, a very wise man. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, Titus chapter 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God. And uh, y'all can stand if you want. You've been cold? Y'all been out there running around? All right, Paul, a servant of God. And an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the riches, uh, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promise aren't you, glad you don't lie, uh, promised before the world began, but hath in due time manifested His word through preaching, uh, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God and our Savior to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders uh, in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, and faithful, uh, having faithful children, not accused of uh, riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless uh, as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angered, uh, not given to uh, wine nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality and a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faith, uh, faithful word as he had been taught that he might be able with, uh, by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. For there are, are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, specifically they of the circumcision. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Do pray that you'd bless this message, Lord. And, and Father, those that's, uh, everything's after this, the prayer service and then the fellowship. Lord, bless us. Uh, bless Lord, thank you for everybody coming out on a cold night. Those that are watching, Lord, I pray that you'd give them something tonight. Father, again, we'll praise you on In Jesus' name, amen. There's a, there There's some things in our lives we have to determine exactly what we're going to do and it's really a simple process. Uh, it's, it gets simpler and simpler as you go down through life. Uh, you got to choose. I keep everything simple. It's, it's, it's real simple, real, real simple. I come up to a, a point in life, and I choose this or I choose that. I don't look down this path and say, all these things down here, that gets way too complicated for me. You may be able to do that. I can't. I look at this right here and say, okay, this is what I need to do. I know that if, if I do this, this, this is going to happen out there somewhere. But if I do this, this is definitely not going to be the way I need to go. So I'll throw that out the window and go this way. And guess what? I'll get down the road and there'll be another why. And you just keep going down the road. Paul says here, for a bishop, verse 7, must be blameless. As a steward of God, not self-will, not soon angered, not given to wine, nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, lover of good men. The title of my message is, lover of good men. You can look at this message all through there, and you can look at people. you got two types of people in the world. you got worldly people. you got saved people. Saved people, are, we're a mess sometimes. Uh, you need to understand that. I mean, we're just a mess. And if you're going to look at somebody and blame them or, or look at them and dissect their lives, uh, all you have to do is stop and look at yourself. God says a lover of good men, a lover of hospitality. You can always tell somebody by their ability. You hear people say, well, all you talk about is money. It has nothing really to really do with money. It has to do with hospitality. You know, hospitality costs, it does cost, it costs uh, anybody that has you in their home and takes care of you and feeds you, you go somewhere and they take care of you and they feed you, that costs them something. A lot of people, they don't want to pay nothing, so they always say, well, I could stay with so-and-so if I go here. Well, just as long as you know it costs them something, but they're, they're displaying hospitality when they do that. I like we had a lady come in our church or in our house one time, a church. <laughs> so we used to be our church. But she came in the house one time, she looked down at Beth and me and she said, You two are one of the some of the most hospitable people we've ever seen in our lives. You always just give and give and give and give and give and give. Well, what else are you gonna do? Uh, if God gives you something, you know what's a blessing is to give it back. Uh, and I'm telling you, I don't go out to get stuff to give away. It just happens to come naturally. I, I don't know how this thing works. But he says, a lover of of hospitality. So you should love to be hospitable. Uh, that in the church itself, you know, if you're hospitable in the church, people will know it. They'll know if you give or if you don't. They they know if you're it's in your heart or not. It's not all about money. Money's just one little facet of that whole thing. When you start giving and learning how to give, I'll get to that in a second. Good man, a good man is a lover of good men. Paul's telling Titus that a bishop needs to be a lover of good men. That means that you got to make some choices about who you run with in life. And if you're going to be a lover of good men, that doesn't mean you're queer. That means that you're a lover of good men. You've got to know what a good man is. Guess what, ladies? There's good ladies, too. There's ladies you need to hang around with, and there's ladies you don't need to hang around with or be with. A good man, he says right here, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy temperate. Now, if you applied that to anybody since Jesus Christ, pretty much they would not make the, the cut. They just couldn't do it. Nobody is that perfect. I know, I know good preachers that have terrible kids. I know terrible good kids that have terrible fathers and mothers. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. When you start looking at it, there's no way you can't, you can't get into somebody else's mind. It says train up a child in the way that he should go. There's no way you can get into somebody else's mind and make them do what they need to do. They have got to want to do that on their own. They have to see it. You know why you should be a lover of good men, So you can get around other people and see what they're doing and try to mimic what they're doing. Paul says, be ye followers of me. Why? So I'm going to do the right thing. Paul says, I'm going to do the right thing. The best I can, I'm going to do the right thing. Well, Barnabas didn't think Paul did the right thing when it came to John Mark. Paul didn't think Barnabas did the right thing when it came to John Mark. Who was right? They both love God. They both are serving God. They both ended up serving God and John Mark come back and think at that particular moment, I don't know whose side you'd be on. I've heard one preacher say, I'd be on Paul's side. I'd be on Barnabas' side. I don't know whose side. I mean, they both love God. I'm not going to choose side. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to get in the middle there somewhere and and maybe resolve the issue. But there is a lot of people out there for there are many unruly and vain talkers. Talk is cheap. People can say whatever they want to say. They can say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. That's cheap talk. Your life should reflect that you're that. And if you don't know what a Christian is, he tells you right here, he says, a lover of good men. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. He said, Oh, you holding fast, I like verse nine, holding fast, and I'll get right in the message, it'll take a few minutes. Holding fast the faith, faithful word as he had been taught, that's the bishop, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. For there are many unruly and vain talkers. The world's full of them. You know what? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Uh, if The more you hang around them, that's why he says come out from among them and be separate. The more you hang around them, the more you become like them. you got to get away from them. You can't be around them. Uh, you, you can witness to them. You can tell them about Jesus Christ. You can hand them a gospel tract. But that's about as far as you can go. The fellowship cannot proceed past that. Can, where can there be fellowship with lightness and darkness? It can't be. And yet sometimes we try to do that or we think, you're not going to, I like, God gave me that verse a long time we'll ago, after first or second ammunition, and reject him as a heretic. Let them go to hell if that's what they want. Oh, that's me. No, it is not my job to hound somebody, to get them to make a decision, to get them to, no, if they don't want Jesus, I like Jesus Christ. I love the Lord the way he does stuff. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Go sell everything you have, come follow me. If you can't do that, you're not worthy of him anyways. So how are we, you know what's wrong with our churches today? We do just that. We try to do everything in the world to get them in. And the Lord never wanted them in anyways. If the Lord don't bring them in, they won't stay. You know why people come in and out of that door? Because God never brought them here. Somebody else told, you need to go to Anchor. Well, Anchor may not be the place you need to be if God didn't call you here. You, you know, everybody gets, the Lord, if he added to the church daily, I think the Lord adds. Now, you can bring people, I'm not saying don't bring visitors. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when people come in here, I've had preachers say, well, go to Anchor and they'll take care of your problem. No, they won't. Actually, they'll probably cause you more problems than you, you, you can think of. A good man, a, a lover of good men. You know what, you, I've done this since I was a kid, man. When I say a kid, after I got saved in 1980, I started looking for good men. Because I didn't know any. I didn't have any uncles that were good men. I didn't have any friends that were good men. I didn't even know really what a good man was. I think the Lord looked down from heaven and said, this is what you need. And he started walking. I got into Dr. Jack Howell's church for the first two years. Actually, uh, I was in boot camp up at Great Lakes, and he'd come and get it. He didn't come personally and get it. Uh, He'd bring send buses up there, and they'd come get us. Uh, And those were a bunch of good men that would get on a bus and come pick us up at Sailor's a lot of them guys may have never done anything, or they may not even be in the ministry today anywhere. They may not even be anywhere around. But at that particular time, they came and picked one young boy up and brought him to church every Sunday morning, about an hour and a half, two hour drive, and took him back Sunday night. And, and almost 40 years later, he's still here. And you say, What is it? Well, you know what a lot of us need to do? Follow examples of some good men. Let me ask you a question What have you been doing lately? What, what have you actually been doing as far as the ministry goes to God? Well, I used to. Used to don't count. Uh-oh. It's probably, who knows what that is. Huh? It's just a, an advertisement. Let me turn that thing down so I won't go to hell. I remember I can't, every time I hear that phone go off, I remember that Methodist church where that the preacher said it. they had a sign out there if you do this, if you do this, if your cell phone goes off, you go right to hell and I mean it it, it was like a video clip or something and the guy dropped into hell or the lady dropped in hell kid did whoever had it a good man, a good man take your Bibles go to second samuel eight eight twenty one we'll have a look at a couple of these and I'll just run through the rest a good man does what he is given to do in this case right here the the uh it's a Joab, Absalom comes into the city uh, and he takes over uh, Jerusalem. David leaves and uh, a battle starts ensuing. Uh, Absalom comes out to the battle. David tells Joab said, Don't kill the young man Absalom. He's my son. Don't kill him. Uh, The process goes on, and man, there's a great message out there, and the mule went on. I I ought to preach a message one time on that. That's just a great message. Uh, 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 jo- Absalom's on his donkey, man, riding his mule. Not his donkey, but his mule, and he's riding under some trees. And he gets his whole hair, all these, these guys with skinny pants on and all this hair and everything else. Absalom did that same thing, got his hair all caught in the oak trees out there. And uh, he's hanging, his mule goes on. And uh, uh, Lester Ola preached a message, and the mule went on. And he just goes on, and, and he hangs there, and Joab kills him. Well, Cushai sees Joab kill him. And it goes, Cushai knows that he's dead. But the other guy here, Zadok, did not know. He, he knew something happened, but he wasn't sure. 2 Samuel, Samuel 18, 21 says, Then Joab said, uh, Joab to Cushai, said, Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. He just takes off running. Now, that, there's an there's a effort there. I'm telling you what, when you have to run four, five, six, seven, eight miles, 10 miles, whatever it is, and you can do that consistently. There's some training and, and stuff there. Well, then said uh, Am, Am, uh, uh, Amaias, the son of Zadok. So that's the second runner. Uh, yet again to Job, because he's already talked to Job. He said, let me run, let me run. Job said, you don't have nothing to say. You have absolutely nothing to say. Just sit back and chill out. He wouldn't do that. You know, some people push and push and push and push and push. And sometimes people just say, go do what you want to do. I like Dr. Roman He always said, pass the salt. Because you're going to do what you want to do anyways. You won't listen to what God has to say, so you're going to go do what you want. Well, Kusha or Ahima, Ahima has was, was a runner, and he's a good runner. Actually, he outran Kusha. Joab just said, "Go run, man. You ain't got nothing to say anyways. I done told you you don't have nothing to say. Why are you running?" David is it back there, and, and uh, the watcher on the wall sees Kushe or Ahima has he outruns Kushe. He's coming first, and, and the runner says, Hey, looks, or the guy on the wall says, It looks like the running is that of uh, Hamahaz. And he goes, He's a good man. No, he wasn't. That's just what David thought. He may be a good man, but he didn't listen this day. And he did something he shouldn't have done. And he outran Cushai. You know what I liked about Kusha? Cushai still ran, and he didn't stop. And even though this other runner ran right past him, Cushai didn't stop. A good man does what he's told. He was told to go tell David something bad. In his heart, he knew that the information he's going to give David is going to upset David. It's going to, it's going to break his heart. But he's still going to go do it. The other guy just wants to run and just be the runner. I want to be the one who walks in. I want to be the one. That's not, what, that's not a good man. A good man usually is never heard, never seen, just does what he's told to do. You know what? If you're going to choose people to follow, you ought to follow some good men. You ought to look out there and say, what kind of men are out there that are good? I looked in, in the Navy. I followed all kinds of guys, lost, but they were good men. St. Chief Franklin was a great man. I don't know whether he saved or lost. Uh, Mass Chief one year was a good man. I don't know whether the man saved or lost. Uh, there were some captains, some uh, officers on my ship. They're good men. I don't know whether they're saved or lost, but they were good men. You know they were easy to follow. I could do. I knew. I knew what the chain of command said to do. I knew who that man was. I knew where he placed himself in life. That was before women were in the Navy, uh, and and I said I can follow that guy. He's easy to follow. He, he I, you could see his heart. You could see what he was into. I said I'll do. I can go do what he says do. You know why they like me? I did what they told me to do. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have to tell me what to do. I did it before they even told me. I already knew what I was supposed to do. You know what's wrong with most people today? Either you don't know what to do, or you're just not doing it. You refuse to do it. Why won't you do it? It's easy to do. You got a thing right here. You follow good men. He says a lover of good men. He puts that off onto bishops. He says bishops, but you know really it flows down each and every one of us. You don't wait till you're a bishop to learn how to love good men. Good men are not always what we think. Good men mess up. You do know that, right? A good man's steps are guided. Solomon wrote this proverb. Proverb 37 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways, though he fall. So guess what? Good men fall. We always look at, well, they did, that's not not a judgment call on your part. Number one, God calls men, not people. You know what's wrong with most people is we listen to men who tell us we're called. No man called me. The Lord called me. I do what the Lord tells me to do. No man can tell me what to do. I can listen to a lot of good men. I can understand what they say, but nobody can tell me what to do. The moment somebody starts telling me what to do and I start doing what they tell me, then I'm not following the Lord anymore. I'm following them. That's not somebody you want to follow. You know how I like Dr. Ruckman. I love Dr. Rutman. I always felt like that guy was going to do what the Lord told him to do, irregardless. If you looked at Dr. Ruckman's personal life, it would be very hard, very hard. I heard people say it before, Brother Pete, I love Brother Pete, I love Brother Pete, I love Brother Pete. And they would get in the presence of Brother Pete, and in about 15, 20 minutes, they would be running. They would, well, he's got this, he chews chicken bones and sucks the marrows out of the the bones. Okay, it might be actually good, I don't know. But I know one thing, I've never seen him, I, I, I have never seen him one time that I can ever remember in 43 years that he didn't love Jesus Christ, that, that I could not look at him. I mean, I remember times where I went out and acted stupid, and he stopped me. He said, whoa, 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 stop. They had a guy come out by, behind the church, or behind, yeah, in the back of the church one day, he's out on the side of the street, street preaching. I mean, he's preaching that Bible Baptist, just a rebel, is all he was. There's all kinds of places you go street preach. Why do you have to street preach here? To prove what? But he was out there. About three of us jumped up. I and mean, uh, Brother Rockman's son, Dr. Ruckman, one of his sons, was one of the ones, two of them, actually, Mike and David both were over the pews, and I was over the pew, shot out the back, and we were going to go across. These other guys were bigger than me anyways, so I mean, I, I would be like, yeah, get him, get him, man. But uh, Doc come out there and stopped us. Said, look, man, that guy has just as much right to be across that street preaching as you do coming into church here. Leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Let him be the heretic he wants to be. Leave him alone. Because that's what he is. Of all the wickedness in the world, you got to choose a group of believers to go against. That's a, that, that's exactly what he said. He said, There are many unruler and vain talkers and deceivers. Gainsayers. That's all they are, is just gainsayers. That's not a good man. That's not somebody you want to follow. You know who you want to follow? Is somebody who'll get out on the street corner, somebody who'll pass out a gospel tract, somebody who'll stand up and tell somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ and try to win them to Jesus. That's the one you want to follow. A lot of other people, they don't have the testimony. A good man does what he's given to do. That's what Cushai did. A good man, steps are ordered by by God. God orders those steps. I like Psalm 37.1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. They can't touch you if they wanted to, unless the Lord lets them. You ever read the book of Job? Great book to read. He says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. God delights in the steps that a man takes following him. Not somebody else. You know what people do is they look at people and they make judgment calls on people, and that's not your place. That's God's place. You know I like to, you, David, David had a committed adultery with Bathsheba. That's not our place to even judge that. You do understand that, right? He was an, or anointed by God, not us. Nathan did not anoint him. God did. He told Saul, Saul, Samuel to go in there and anoint David. I hear preachers say, well, David was a wicked man. You better watch your mouth. That guy was placed in there by God. Nathan come in and said, thou art the man. You did this, not anybody. You did this, but he didn't pronounce judgment on him. When David said, I sinned, he said, God done forgave you. All he was was a mouthpiece for God. You know what our danger is? We judge people and we think we can judge when we do not have the right to do that. What you're doing is you're setting yourself up to be a gainsayer. You're not following good men. Good men mess up. You do know that, right? David was a great man. He messed up. That does not make him a great man. God said he's a great man. Guess what? Moses messed up. Peter messed up. Paul messed up. Which one did it? Jesus Christ. There's the one you want to follow. I'll tell you right now. I like that. He says, For they oh, he says, threaten not thyself of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against workers of iniquity. People who do stupid stuff, let them do it. Let them do it. I don't have to worry about them. He goes, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. I like trust in God. A good man, a good man. here's another one. A good man is grateful. You can always tell. You know what you need to do is get around people. Uh, I heard a preacher one time said, which is a true statement: birds of a feather flock together. When you're not grateful, you know it's a good indication you're bitter. I don't have to worry about any. Nobody owes me a thing. This church owes me. Nothing. You owe me nothing. As a matter of fact, God owes me nothing. I'm still grateful that after 43 years, I'm still talking about Jesus Christ. I'm still grateful that I got to go to the hospital today and pray with Him. I'm still glad. I'm glad in the process of that, I got to pass out seven or eight tracks. I'm glad of that. I had one guy, we had him right out the door. I handed him a Holy Joe, and Beth says, Oh, it's the greatest story ever told. I said, No, it's not the greatest story, it's Holy Joe. And uh, I said, here, you, you. while you're sitting here doing it, nothing, or he goes, yeah, because that's what I do now is nothing. I said, what? He goes, he said, somebody's retired. I said, man, I said, I thought I was retired too. Then I became the pastor of a church. He goes, well, that's your fault. That's not mine. <laughs> he took the track anyways. I hope he read it. I'm like, man, that's wisdom. I'm like, I should be sitting in a hospital down on the first floor down there somewhere, just sitting there reading a newspaper. I said, but a good man is grateful, not bitter. You bitter tonight? You know what you're doing? You're following the wrong, you're following the wrong person. You're following the wrong thing. Ladies, you know what you need to do? Not not be bitter is don't get mad at your husband. The, pro, the problem is, is, is between you and the Lord, not between you and your husband. Husbands, you got a problem The problem's not between you and, and your husband, your wife, or your kids. The problem's between you and the Lord. You ought to be grateful. Grateful is a great thing to be, man. 2 Kings 4, he says it fell on the day. Oh, Lasha. I liked Elisha. Ladies, this is a great story on both sides of the thing. Elisha would, him and Ge- Gehazi would walk down the streets and this lady would come out and say, come on, come on, women, the woman is shooting him. Great woman is shooting him." She'd come out and say, hey, Come in here and eat, 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 And one day she told her husband, said, hey, let's build this guy a little place on the side of the, our house and put all this stuff in it. We'll make him a little apartment here where he can stay and, and he can live here. We'll put a little table and, and some candles and stuff. And when he comes by, he can have a place to stay where it's comfortable. We'll feed him, we'll do whatever. And then one day the, the, he said, and she said unto her husband, behold now, 2 Kings 4 to 9. And she goes, up, behold now. He says, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by his continually. You know what she was? She was a follower of good men. She knew that that man was of God, and she followed him. Now, the whole thing is here, if you want to live a godly life, you're going to have to be a follower of good men. You're going to have to make decisions based on the men that you follow. That's why when I tell you stories. I, go down to, I went down when I was a kid in the Navy. I'd go down to Dr. Carl Ackie's meeting, and I'd watch all these preachers come in. I watched them. I didn't look at the people in the crowd. I could care less about the people in the crowd. They're just like me. But then I realized that there's a lot of preachers up there just like me. They're messed up too. So you get back all the messed up stuff, then you start listening to what they say. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be with them any day of the week than most of the people in this world. You know what we want? Most of the people in the world want to be with the people in the world. I would rather be in a meeting in North Carolina in Carl Lackey's, Dr. Carl Lackey's gym, uh, gymatorium or whatever he called it, Monday through Sunday, listening to all those preachers argue with each other than to be out in this stinking, filthy world where that's not, I'd rather be around, but you know what they were all trying to be is good men. You know what the Lord says? You need to be one like them. Maybe there's some things you can not be, but you need to be, that's what you need to be. That's your goal. That's what you're shooting for. We shoot for everything else. A football player is not what we should shoot for. A great musician is not what we should shoot for. I don't mind great musicians. I don't mind either. That's not what we should be shooting for. We should be shooting to be a good man, following a good man. The only way you're going to be able to follow a good man is to find some good men and follow them. God gives you the thing. A good man's not bitter. She, she builds this thing. And then, then Elisha and Gehazi, his servant, comes, and they call the Shunammite lady. And he says unto her, uh, as she stood before them, and he said unto, unto them, verse 13, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. She wasn't bitter. You know, she didn't have any kids. She didn't, she, that wasn't even ever brought up here from her. She was not bitter. She did not do any of that stuff. She just sits here and says, Talk to him. He says, And say unto her now, Behold, thou hast been very careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Elisha, with just a word, can give her whatever she asks. He can make the thing happen. Listen to it. Wouldest thou be spoken for with the the king or of the captain of the host? That's the Lord. I can speak to you for the captain of the host. I can get you a blessing. No, here's what she said. And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I'm happy. You know what she was? She was grateful just to be what she... She's grateful to have a husband that had the means that they had a home. She was grateful that she had a husband that had the means that they could put a, allow a man to come by that was a good man and take care of him whenever he came by. She was glad to be able to have a husband that helped her put a building on the side of her house that she could keep that people whenever they came by, anytime they came by and took care of them. She didn't care about nothing else. She was doing, you know what, she was grateful. Ladies being, being, following good men is just as easy for a lady and it's just as required of a lady as it is for a man. And here he goes. He goes, and he said, what is to be done for her? And the rest of the story, she didn't have a baby. He gave her a baby. Elisha was a good man. You know what she was doing? She was following a good man. And in following the good man, you know what she learned? How to be hospitable and a lover of good men. You know, when you look at people, you, you easily tell I look back in 43, 44 years, I can't think of any preacher that I really have a problem with. I may agree or disagree with some things that people do or preachers do, but I thank God that they're there, and they were there. Uh, I've heard people say, well, Dr. Jock Hiles did this. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I know, boy, when I needed something uh, 40-something years ago, there was a place that I could go and get it Boy, I'm sure thankful that Howells Anderson University was up there and, and Jack Howells Church was there in Hammond, Indiana, and they came and got me on a bus. Boy, I'm sure glad they did that. Well, I don't like bus routes. Well, I'm sorry. That sure did work for me. I was already saved. I did not get saved on a bus route. I just rode on one. And I still think it worked very well for me. A hospital, a, a, a good man is grateful and not bitter. You know how you tell a grateful, somebody who's grateful? They're just, they just do what they're supposed to do. I think Cushai was grateful. I think he was a good man. Uh, I think David was grateful. I think he was a good man. A good man has godly convictions. A lot of people say, ah, oh, you, you do need convictions. The Bible says come out from among them be separate. You've got to have some convictions. The only way you can come out from among, you hear that verse all the time, the only way you can do that is have convictions. You've got to say no to some things. You know, as I was writing this, I said, Lord, you know, I need to get some convictions about some things. I said, I think I either let my convictions grow. You can, you can let your convictions fall away and just go away. All of a sudden, have you ever thought about, at one time I was convicted about something and now it's okay? Why is it okay now, but it wasn't then? Was I stupid then? Or am I just now falling under the, the hand of men and doing what other people are saying and trying to make, first of all, I'll tell you what, I got a wife, five kids. I got, I got, I got man, you, it's just going to be a crazy year. We got, I got three daughters that's going to have three babies this year. That's an amazing thing to me. I remember when I was by myself telling the Lord, I'll never have nothing. I'll never have a family. I'll never have kids. I'm a screw up. I've done messed this thing up. 22 years old. I've done messed this thing up so bad. It can never be straightened out. Or says, oh yeah, you think so? You think really? You think that? I said, I can't get in the Navy because my finger's messed up. I can't do nothing. Everything's messed up. And the next thing I know, I'm in the Navy. And the next thing I know, I'm here. And then I'm in Jack Howell's Church. You can't, you can't write this stuff and make it happen. You can't do it. You ever start saying, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I want to follow you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to put you in line with some good men. I didn't say perfect. He did say the good, the perf- uh, acceptable, the acceptable, the good, and the perfect will of God. So there are there's, are, there's levels in there of things. A good man is something you need to follow. Lord put me around some good men. He put me around uh, Ron Burris in Norfolk, Virginia. After I left uh, Howells Anderson and went down there, I, the first church I was in was Ron Burris, a PDI grad. How do you write that? You can't write that. Ron was a good man. Did he have some quirks? He had a couple. Did I have some quirks? I got a bunch. But you know what God did? He stuck me around a good man. And I started watching that guy and watching that guy and watching that guy. And I could take the good things that i seen and apply them to my life and, and let the other stuff go. Then I went over to Dave Gibson's church. And he was a Marine. A sailor in a Marine church. What a weird thing. But I was there. You know what I did? I listened to Dave. And then one day the Lord gave me a set of orders to Pensacola, Florida. and I went down and sent to Dr. Rummer for three years. I, it was as a, as a progression all the way through there. Every one of those men were good men and I had got something from them. I could have been like a lot of people and just rejected what those men said, and I wouldn't be here today. I can already tell you that. I wouldn't be here. Listening to what God says. If God calls you, he says a bishop. If God calls you, I think he calls every one of us. You get called to get saved. I think you get called when you get saved. He's calling you to salvation. And when you accept that, you walk into this thing. will you ever be a bishop in charge of a church? I don't know. But I know there's some things that apply to a bishop that applies to you just as well as it does to me. I was a chief in the United States Navy. I was an electronic technician. I was an electronic technician first. And when I became a chief, I did not throw away my electronic technician abilities. I'm now, I have this and that and that and that and that. You add them in there, it just keeps on going. A good man is grateful. I'm grateful for every one of those guys down through there. I'm grateful the way the Lord brought, brought, brought me through this world. I'm grateful for everybody I've been around. I'm telling you, I got some people that I got some issues with. But I don't even know anymore how to have issues with my brothers. They're my brothers. Which side are you supposed to be on? I don't know. I mean, they're both saved people. They're both arguing. I don't know whose side. I don't feel. I'll just stick stick it out. I'll stay on the side and cheer both sides on. I don't know what to do. Second Chronicles, David. David's a good man. David, after all the stuff he did, he said, in my heart, I want to build a temple for the Lord. So he starts getting all the stuff together and putting it together and gaining a lot of stuff. In, and he was in a place to do it. And Nathan came to him and said, David told him what's in his heart. And Nathan said, go on, do what you want to do in your heart. David said, okay, I'm going to do what is in my heart. And that, David goes home, Nathan goes home that night and the Lord talks to him. He comes back the next day and says, David, you can't do it. <clears throat> he said, the Lord said, you can't do it. You're a man of war, got blood all over your hands. He said, but your son is going to do it. And he goes, you're the son after you, Solomon. Solomon's already born here. Solomon is probably five, six years old, 10 years old, something like that. Solomon's already there. The Lord's already told him Solomon's going to take over. He's going to be the next king, and I will let him do this. David could get bitter real easy. You know what David did? You need to see this. Go to 1 Chronicles 17. I just read this today. Great passage. You ought to read your Bible more than once a year if you can. You ought to read it once a year, anyways. David, he comes and tells him that you're not going to do this. And David, 17. 1 Chronicles 17. And David, 16. And David the king, after he told him in the previous verses that he's not going to do it, and David the king came and sat before the Lord. <laughs> Have you ever just sit down somewhere and just said, I I can't believe this. I can't, I really can't believe what's going on in my life. You know, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking I should be something greater, but I'll never be nothing greater. So I'm okay with that. I'm thinking if I could have just done this, but that just didn't happen. this This is what happened. This is what's happened. This is what was in front of me. This is what I got to put my life into. This is what God has given me to do. And this is what He's done. That's all I can do. I'm like David, boy I'm sitting here. I could be like David. I could go sit down somewhere, just sit. And I could say the same thing. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, "Who am I? O oh, Lord God, and what is my house that ha- that has brought me hither to? <laughs> this is crazy, man. I'm like, Lord, this is just insane. And yet this was a small thing in thine eyes, O oh God. David is humble. He's gracious, he's loving, he's not bitter. He was just told what he can't do. And he goes, Oh God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come, and hast regarded me according to the estate of a man of high degree. Oh Lord God. I'm like, how in the world could you do that? David goes on and starts talking. Verse 25 he says, For thou, O oh my God, hast told thy servant, that thou will build him a house. Therefore thy servant hath found in his heart to pray before thee, because you said it, Lord. And now, Lord, thou art God. You know, David goes on, and the Lord starts giving him some other stuff. And uh, it's an amazing thing here. I think about you guys all the time. Don't ever think that uh, I don't, I don't uh, consider you, you guys when I talk to you. Uh, verse 20 in chapter 28 I'm like, I'm like David in some senses, uh, not, not anywhere like him, but uh, I got some issues going on too, but uh, I'm very thankful because I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. And I don't try to do what I can't do. I, there's some things I can't do. Don't even try to do them. It's not what, it's not what the Lord called me to do. I ain't, I'm not supposed to do this. Watch this, verse 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and be of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord thy God, for the Lord God, even my God, will I will be with thee, and he will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work. I said, Oh man, Lord, I said, Is that why you gave us the apartment building over there? You just keep me working so you don't have to kill me. because uh, it's all over. He said, You will not has finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the course, courses of the priests and of the Levites. You know what he said right here? I'll give you what you need. You don't have to do this. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to have the ability to do it. You know what's wrong with a lot of people is they think that you're supposed to have the ability for everything. You're not supposed to have the ability for that. You just have the ability to follow God. You know what you got to do? You don't know how to follow some good men. You know what God's saying dude? you? You follow me. You follow me. I will provide everything you need. Some people think, man, I've been in the Navy. I watch them guys. They all want to step on everybody else to get to the next level. That's the most foolish thing I've ever seen in my life. He goes on. Watch this. And behold, the courses of the, Lev- the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee in- for all the service of the house of God. I'm going to provide all that. And there shall be with thee for all the manner of workmans- workmanship every willing, skillful man. That's Mike and, and Brian back there and, and-, and uh, Rich back there and a few others. Uh, he goes, <laughs> he'll provide, he goes, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service, any service, also the princes and all the people will, holy, uh, will, will be holy at thy commandment. I think of Jerry, man, and Sandy Bachman. I'm like, Lord, I can't keep books. He said, you don't have to. Who told you you had to do that? He said, I'm going to bring Sandy in here, and I'm going to give you this lady. She's going to come in one day. She's going to look at you. And she's going to say, hey. Can I do something? And me, a male chauvinist pig that I am, my wife made me that, I look at her like, what in the world could you possibly do for me? I said, what have you ever done? Well, I just took corporate bookkeeping and took care of all the books for all the different, I'm like, man, have I got a job for you. And she took it over to the penny. I don't ever have to worry about nothing. Her and Jerry, between her and Jerry, it's between them two. Jerry looks at every credit card statement. Everything calls him, up. Well, you, uh, what's this? What's that? What's this? What's that? Me and him's got an argument. I get mad at him from time to time. I'm like, all these other stinking. Oh, I shouldn't say stinking. All these other missionaries come in. We give them this, 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 this. I go out and buy a Pepsi and you question me? He's laughing. That's true. We don't go. It's not to the Pepsi. It's, it's greater things than a Pepsi. But uh, I have to tell him there's some greater things than that. But you know I'm sitting here sometimes I can't. Believe, but you know I thank God for that. I'm sitting here going, Lord, how in the world could you possibly do this with me? You know what that is? That's being grateful. And not being bitter. You know, a lot of times we we'll look at stuff and say, Well, I should. You shouldn't be any more than God's allowed you to be. And guess what? If He allows you to be something, and He wants you to be something, He'll open the door for that. But if you slam that door open and you try to find a door, you'll find a door but the door you find won't be quite what you want. You think I looked for this door? I didn't look for this door. It was just there. <laughs> it was like Lord saying, hey, stupid. I had no idea what was going on, and I still don't have any idea what's going on. I try not to. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I like it. One day at a time. And you do. I got Brian. Brian Brian's a maniac. And Mike is, is egging him on. And, Brian, and, and, <laughs> and Rich don't help. Because he'll come in. They need supervision, don't they? <laughs> and they all just get up here and egg and So when one person leaves, everybody starts talking about the other person. And we tell them, you leave. We're going to talk about you as you leave. I tell them all the time, I'm leaving. I'm, you know, listen, wait till my car starts, because I could be right out the door listening to you guys. And, and you sit there, and all this stuff starts happening all over the place. And you sit there like, I'm sitting there like David, and I'm like, how in the world did you possibly do this with me? I said, I remember the little boy on a porch in Louisville Kentucky that was lost and didn't know what to do and it was like you put a book in my hand I found a thing and and you said you need to follow some good men you know my uncle Roth was a good man he put a a new American standard King James out but put a new American standard but he told me what I did he sit down with me for a few minutes and told me that I got saved I I was a Catholic I didn't know I got a Bible just read it and I trusted Jesus Christ I didn't know what I did I was bawling like a baby I heard some people say, I don't like men that cry. Well, then you're just uh, you're stupid, but I love you anyways. I know I cried like a baby. And I was sitting there reading that thing, and I didn't know what I did. And that man sits there and said, Mike, and he tried to run me through the Romans. I remember that the rest of my life, Tried to run me through the Romans road. And I looked at that thing, and I said, I did that, I did that, I did that. He said, Mike, you're saved. You know, I, did, I, don't, I don't cuss him because he took my King James away and put a New American Standard in my hand. I didn't know what a King James was then anyways. And if you had told me the King James Bible in 1980 was the word of God, I still wouldn't have understood it. You know what the Lord did? He run me through mud for four years and then dropped that book back in my hand. He says, now this is what you lost. Then I knew. But until he did that, I would have never known. Why would I get mad at Rolf Dorsey, a pastor of a church, Southern Baptist. Why would I get mad at him for doing something to me? I didn't understand what it was, anyways. And if he had told me what King James Bible, I still wouldn't understand. You know, a lot of people do. They, somebody tells you King James Bible, the Word of God, and you just you accept it, but you don't really believe it. I don't accept it. I believe it. I think all my answers sit right in this book. If I'm looking for a good man, you know, where I'm going to find a good man in this book. And then I'm going to compare the man of the world to this book. And I'm going to look at him and say, David messed up, and I like the Lord, man. I remember the first time I messed up and I seen, I seen Moses mess up and I seen Noah mess up and I seen David mess up and I see all these other people mess up. I think he's going to hit me with a lightning bolt. You say, why would you think that? Because I'm looking at all his big men and I'm, I'm seeing their mess up. He goes, Mike, you're just like them. That's all you are. You think you're not going to mess up? That's what the devil wants you to think, that you'll never mess up. No, you are a hosehead. You are totally messed up. And the only good that's in any one of us is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's it. And you said, I had somebody say, you wait till you fall. I'm sorry. I'm already at the bottom. (laughs) There ain't nowhere to fall further than that. I'm I'm down at the bottom. I've been there ever since I got saved. As a matter of fact, once I got saved, I really understood I was at the bottom. I can't beat an angel. A good man has good godly convictions. Conviction is as a uncertainty. Now, I can tell you what my, I don't think you should smoke. That's my conviction. I smoked for four years after I got saved. I'd have blown smoke in your face if you came and told me that. I've seen guys, I've seen guys try to quit smoking and throw a pack of cigarettes out of the window and stop in the next place and get another pack of cigarettes. I mean, it just had them. Has sin ever had you? Some sin have you. And it's like a chain that you just can't let go of. God gave me a conviction about smoking. I quit. He gave me his conviction about drinking. I quit. He never gave me no conviction on drugs. That went away. If you're using drugs, you got a problem. There's something wrong. I'm going to tell you, my conviction is you shouldn't smoke. Now, if you can take your cigarette and go into church and sit there and blow smoke and smoke rings and all that other stuff, and God, you feel like God loves you, then have fun doing it. You're not going to do it here, by the way, but that's okay. Uh, be, you, you think you can be a queer? and You can't be a queer in this church. I, it's against God's word. I mean, i got to have some convictions about some things. Now, what you can do is take me out of charge, put, kick me out the door, and then you can do whatever you want to do. I don't think not a one of you would do that. A good man has godly conviction. It's as certainty, a state of mind in which one is free from doubt. You know what a good conviction is? You don't have no doubt about it. I have absolutely no doubt about drinking. I think drinking is as wrong as you can get. I think adultery and fornication is about as wrong as you can get. I think children ought to obey their parents in the Lord, in the Lord, for this is right. Just honor your mother and father. There comes it's honor. That's not kiss your feet. You know what's wrong with a lot of us is we think our kids should kiss our feet. Show me in the Bible anywhere. It only says my wife should kiss my feet. And I haven't got her to do that yet. I've kissed her. No, I mean, (laughs) she covers my feet. She puts my blankies on me. She'll take my shoes and socks off, but she won't kiss my feet. I don't blame her. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says this about a godly conviction. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? It goes into this thing with idols. And when we sit there, brother, I tell Brother Spurgeon got a hold of me the other day when he's talking about not having a TV. I know he has a computer. So, I, see, see how that works? He may not have a TV, but he can watch everything on a computer. See, that's how that thing works. That's what, that's what our mind does. You got to throw that thing out and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's what, that's what all this is about, anyways. My walk with Jesus Christ is my walk with Jesus Christ, and that's what it's about, is me develop. My job in this world is to do nothing but help you get on that path. I'm telling you what you need to do is find some good men and follow them until you can start doing what they're doing and throw out the things you think they shouldn't do and keep the things they do do and then move on down the road with Jesus Christ and listen for the Lord to guide and direct your steps. That's what you're looking for. He says, for ye are the temple of the living God. Do you really know what you are? If you're near tonight and you're saved, just like he told David, he said, you can't build that earthly temple because you got blood on your hands. Well, guess what? You are now that temple. And if he resides in you, there's things in your life that has to go. It needs, see, we don't like that. Guess what? You got to raise your kids that way. They ain't going to like it either. sorry. My kids probably all think I'm crazy, wacko, nuts. I tell you what, my kids may be what they are, but they're here tonight. I think there are one, two, three. Yeah, I've seen them all. Why they're here, I don't know. And I couldn't put my thumb down and say I did this and I did this and I did this. The Lord must have done something. They're still here. We'll see what happens when I die. They all scatter, million of places. but the Lord could call them out any time. A good man has godly convictions. You've got good convictions. That means something. And People you always say something you'll die for. No, something you've got perfect peace about. I'm free from doubt when I do something. I, don't, I, I can say stuff sometimes. I'm free from doubt about it. If you could get me to doubt what I'm saying, then that isn't really a godly conviction. But a conviction when it comes to God is what, something that is displeasing between me and him. When he says come out from among them, be ye separate, he means come out from among this world and be separate from them and he warns you. You say, well, I can't do that. Then good, find you some godly men. Dr. Rutman, I like Dr. Ruttman. I like Brother Donovan. I like uh, Dr. Peacock. I like a bunch of people, man. I watch them. They, they, do, they do the right thing. Dr. Lackey, man, that guy was something else, man. I mean, he's just like a fire-breathing dragon up there. Uh, yet, I, I hear these old preachers they go down there. Dr. Utman I heard him say it before. I heard Jack Wood say it. They'd go down there and say, uh, Dr. Dr. Lackey, I got this problem. And he, that guy would pull out a wad of money and give it to him and say, go take care of your problem. Go feed your kids. Do this. Do that. You look at that guy up on the platform, you think that guy was just a mean, fire-breathing dragon that hated everybody. Countless number of preachers said that man helped him. He had a furniture business down there. Not only was a pastor of a church, he had his furniture business. And he did very well with his furniture business. And he took care of all kinds of people. Dr. Carl Lackey, you know what he did? He had meetings. So you could come in and get exposed to a bunch of stuff. That's where I met Gail Ripplinger for the first time. And I got to see her. When she's, I walked in the crowd. Somebody told me, said, Miss Riplinger is here. I'm like, yes. So I'm gonna walk in the, the, she's in the in the lunchroom, lunchatorium or whatever it was called. <laughs> and I'm walking in, I'd expect to see this, you know, this decked out lady in there. And that wasn't her. She was just a normal everyday lady. Yes, she was just as smart as Dr. Ruckman was. That's what Dr. Ruckman said. I'm just assuming that's, he said, this lady has got the thing down when it comes to the Bible. A good man has godly convictions. I'm certain about some things. I know what God's told me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get mad at somebody else if they tell me what to do. If it don't fit, I told Scott Flo one time, I said, brother, if the shoe don't fit, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it don't, throw it off the side. It's not your shoe. You shouldn't have to wear something that doesn't fit. These blanket convictions that you throw out, there is some things. Come in here drunk and we're going to have an issue. Come in here cussing and screaming, we're going to have an issue. But there's just some things in people's lives that I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do it. But i tell you what, if if it says abstain from all appearances of evil, have you ever stopped to think about what somebody else thinks about what you do? Now, I'm not saying we're perfect, but have you ever stopped and thought about that? Sure, you can do whatever you want, but have you ever stopped to think about what somebody else thinks about what you're doing? Are you the good person they can follow? Are you the good man that they can follow? Or if they follow you, are they going to go down the path over here? and next thing you know, they're going to be in everything in this world. This world has nothing for you. One of these days, we're all going to be out of here. This thing has nothing for us, never. A good man has godly convictions. Wherefore, come out from among the beasts. I like that verse. That's, a, that's probably one of the most used verses in the whole wide world. A good man... Always gives consistently. You, be, you should be able, I could, I, I've been doing it for 40, I've been doing it before I got saved. I think it's something that's in your body, in your nature. Just to give, to help. I think it's in your nature. Uh, and if it's not, it's something God gives grace for. I had a lady call me the other day. Actually, actually uh, Ross, the lady, y'all gave her some furniture up in, did she call you? Is she going to give you some moolah? Okay, because she called me, and she said, I got some furniture from Miss Betty McKay. I said, did you know, she said, I never knew Betty. She goes, but I want to give. And the next thing I know, we're on the phone for a half hour, 45 minutes, talking about giving. And this lady gives, 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 gives. She says, and I I said, ma'am, you don't have to give us nothing. She goes, I know I don't. I just want to give. And then I started telling her about how I gave, like to give stuff. I said, well, I'm probably still robbing some of my blessings. But I'm And we started going back and forth. And she gave and I gave and we gave. And she goes, it's so good to talk to somebody that gives. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing I ever heard. I told her I'd call her back and give her a VMO account. I haven't ever, ever called her back yet. Uh, if she's listening, I hope. I told her, I said, if you call me, I'll come up send somebody up to pick it up or whatever, man. I'd mail it to the church. I don't know. Uh, it's just an amazing thing. It's, here's a lady who's all, she, she says, I just want to give, and I want to give. And, I, and she got problems with her kids. She's got problems with this, problems with that. And she still has that heart inside. She's gracious, and she's never lost that. Outward things should never affect that. If it is, there's something wrong with that. That's where you need to work. A good, a good person gives constantly uh, times, talents, life, wealth. I don't care what it is. A good man has some grit. You got grit. I like grit, man. I like old preachers. I like old gritty preachers, man. I'm not talking about mean ones and yelling ones. I like yelling ones. I don't care. That doesn't bother me at all. But grit, grit as in courage. This is what grit is. You ever see uh, John Wayne, True Grit? I heard some people they love. My dad used to love John Wayne. True Grit, he rides. He just puts a horse to ride in his mouth and six shooters shooting down. I don't know if they really did that back then. It looks good on the big screen maybe. But, I mean, bullets flying all over the place. You're riding down on a horse at, at 25, 30 miles an hour, bouncing all over the place, and you're shooting a gun like this. I don't know how accurate those bullets are actually going to be, unless you got a Gatling gun blowing bullets all over the place. But it just looked, and you know, I, just wanted, I was like, man, I, I want to be like that. I don't want to be one of the dead guys laying around. I, when it's all sitting down, I want to still be there like that. I want to still be fighting like that right there, like that. Noah had grit, grit, grit. And as in courage, now watch this, the strength of mind that enables a person to endure pain or hardship. You know, life's a hardship and life is full of pain. But when you go through this whole thing, you can never lose the thing that you're following Jesus Christ. And you never know when he's going to put somebody in your path that all you're going to do is hand them a gospel track and give them something and they may read it and they may get saved. You never know. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Noah had grit. Moses had grit. David had grit. Peter had grit. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had grit. Boy, he goes in in the temple with a, a cat of nine tails and running them all out, man. I like that, man. Now I don't know about you, but I don't think he would come back. He's not coming back like that ever again, by the way. Well, he's coming back like that again. He's not going to come back the loving, long-haired, Irish, blue-eyed guy that everybody sees at the Last Supper. I like the way Brother Dr. Peacock says is Everybody posed for the Last Supper on one side. How, you know, if, they were, if they're around the table, how did you get all 12 on one side? Oh, picture time. Everybody get on this side. Michael's here. Uh, going to draw the picture, I guess. A good man has some grit. Jesus had grit. You know what, God? You've got to have grit. You've got to have some courage. There's going to come a point where you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to stand up on the right side. You're going to have to make a decision. I like Joseph of Arimathea's. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus Christ in front of everybody. He went right and begged that body. He went against all the Pharisees. He went against all the scribes. He went to, the time came in Joseph's life where he had to stand up. I think it was, it was, yeah, Joseph and Nicodemus was right with him. Pilate didn't have to give him that body, but Joseph said, I want that body. I want that body of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take care of that thing. I want that body right in front of everybody. That took some guts. That took some courage. At that point, Joseph didn't care. You know what he did? He made a choice on which side he's going to be on. This world is rapidly moving. But I tell you what, y'all listen to news, you listen five minutes of news a day, that's all you need. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen out there. Your Constitution right now is trash. Unless the Supreme Court does what it should do, and it should be a nine to one for Donald Trump. I'm not a Trumpite. I'm just telling you that the laws, they're accusing that man, they're, they're taking him to task, saying he's guilty, they're, they're condemning him, putting him in, they're ready to hang him, man, and he's never been charged with nothing. Anybody that can be out of the presidency for almost four years now, and while he was in the presidency, putting up with what he put up with, and they've tried everything in the world to nail that guy, and they still, the entire government's been against him and can't get nothing on him, your government's shot. If you trust in one thing down here on this planet, you need to see a psychiatrist. Because <laughs> that you're out of your mind. The only thing you can trust is God. And God says, well, I'm going to not leave you. I'm going to put some good men in front of you. I like it, man. I like good men. I think, I think our Bible is still full of good men. I think there's still some good men in this world. I think there's still some people that's going to do the right thing. A good man, should have, a good man has some grits. And here's, here's the verse I like. Take your Bibles go to Proverbs 2. Two ten. I got one more after this. I'm done. That's just a good. This is good. It's a good. I think it's a good yearly thing, man. I ought to preach this every year. I just. I still got some men I like to follow. I have conflicts with some sometimes, but I mean, I don't know what else to do. I, mean, I can't say the wrong. Can't say the right. I know they still love Jesus. What do you do when you find somebody who loves Jesus and you find somebody else who loves Jesus and they're fighting? What do you do with that? I don't know. You let the Lord deal with the thing. 2.10. When wisdom come, when wisdom enters. This is Solomon talking, talking to his son. He says, when wisdom enters into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Why? Why do you need what Solomon's saying? Verse 12, to deliver thee from the evil, from the way of evil men. Then in verse 16, he goes, and to deliver thee from the strange woman. Ladies, there are strange guys out there too. Don't think that it's just one-sided. This world is sick. Verse 20, that thou mayest walk in the ways of good men. You know what I got to do for the last 43 years is the way of some good men. I got to watch some good men, and I was telling the Lord that. I said, Lord, if it hadn't have been for those men, I wouldn't be here tonight. I mean, I could just start naming them all off. And I may have some issues with some of them, but the Lord allowed every one of those in my path. And every one of them had something that they, they gave me and helped me to get where I'm at right now. And I'm still saying, Lord, these, are all, these were all some good men. Maybe they did not have what I had. Maybe they did not have what I was exposed to. Maybe they couldn't even grasp what I was going to do. I remember I talked to Brother Siler one night. He said, Mike, he says, we know where you went to Bible school and you scare us. And I said, I do. I said, why would I scare you? He scares me. And he, and he goes, I mean, and old guys just scare me, man. Because you never know what, they got me about 20 years, they scare me. I think he's 80-something years old, so he's, he's 80? All right, so he's got me about 14 years. That's still a lot. That's 14 years that he knew stuff that I didn't know. When he was 14 years old getting in trouble, I was just a baby. I'm telling you what, he just got some, he's got some stuff over me that I don't have. I don't ever think I'm so smart that I can walk past somebody and look down at him. Just because I'm where I'm at and I'm not, I got some convictions. I don't have to go back to where I came from, but I I can look at some people and say, "Ah, that person probably knows something I don't. I think he knows some things I don't. But he said, he goes, we know where you went to school at," And he goes, you studied under Dr. Ruttman. And he scares us to death. That was phenomenal for me. I'm like, here's this little old short guy down in Florida that scares, scares them of what? His Bible knowledge. I'm like, man. I said, I said, brother. I said, I'm telling you, I don't have what he has in his finger. If he bit his fingernail off and spit it out, that piece right there, I don't have enough brains to cover what's in that fingernail. And Brother Siler started laughing. I'm still serious as day. But I mean, how did you get around all these people to watch? I learned all kinds of stuff from Brother Siler. That guy's a good man. And you know what that guy loves? I was over there a while back, and he had a church split, and he lost about 100 people. And uh, he said, Mike, he said, they tried to buy me out of here. The guy who left with the 100 people said, look, we'll give you this and give you this. And he said, I don't do this for money. You know, I could look at him with a straight face and a happy smile on my face and said, brother, I know you don't do it for money. I know you. I know exactly why. You do it because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And he smiled and me smiled. I said, by the way, I got, I got somebody over here who used to be in the outlaws and we can take care of your problem for you. <laughs> yes, we can do that. He said, no, no, brother, you don't have to do that. I said, I said, just letting you know, man. You'll be like off to the side. Nobody will ever know it. You don't have to do that. Lord, take care of it. You should want to walk with good men. I want to walk with good men. I want, I want my, my, the people that I follow, the people I look up, the, the ones who I can learn, are you guys, I want, to, I want to walk with good men. You know what I want to walk with is people out of our church. I, don't want, I have no desire to walk with anybody outside this church in, in Dayton, Ohio. If they want to be part of this church and we want to fellowship with them, I don't mind fellowship with some people, but these right here are the crowd that I want to. What we do here, I do for you guys. One of these days, I'm going to be old and gray and gone. I'm going to have to go. I'm watching my mind slow down. It used to be just like that. I'm watching it slow down. One of these days, I'm going to go away. You know what, I get the privilege, I get the happiness to know, hopefully my grandkids will still have a church to go to after I'm gone. That's what I care about. Why? Because somebody did it before me. It's not about what I get on this filthy planet. Because that's what it is, a filthy planet. And the Lord's going to blow the thing away. Go read Revelation 21. I like that chapter, man. He just puffs it out, man. And he makes a new one. So anything you possibly could leave here is going to be burnt up. That's reality. Now I know that's after the thousand year rate Christ. I know that's after the judgment seat, but it's still gonna happen. And guess what? At the rapture, you ain't taking nothing with you either. So why do you care about what it is now? I like I heard Dr. Jackwood say one time. He said, I don't understand why people don't give. Now that guy would come into church and just try to take you for every dime you got. They had buckets. I was in church one time, they had chicken buckets on the pulpit, on the platform. And they'd start passing the chicken buckets, and they wouldn't quit till the chicken buckets were full. I've been in another church, same, well, I think it's the same church. Uh, Dr. Wash Pennington had this metal pot, and he wouldn't, that's for his fellowship tracks, he wouldn't leave till that pot was full. I don't know where they think y'all get all this money at. I've never figured that out, because one guy come in and all the money. Another guy comes in and want all the money. Another guy comes in and want wants all the money. Where's all this money coming from? I've never figured people got money trees or something. I've never figured that out. Maybe it's because they got a bad heart. I think maybe the church ought to do with what it's got and do it with the way the Lord says, do it. He told one guy, he said, why didn't you take the money and put it in the usury? Why didn't you make some money on my money? Put it in the bank. So the church should be able to manage what comes in. And we shouldn't let people come in and just beg for everything we have. But you should still have a heart to give. You should still have a heart. We're we're looking at trying to help Brother Hauser out. I don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, but we need to help him out probably some. We're going to wait and see how the thing settles out a little bit and then see what he really needs and then do something. But you should want to walk with good men. You know, Brother Hauser's a good man. There are some good missionaries on the field, not just out of our circle. There's some good missionaries out there trying to win souls. There's some good people. There's all kinds of people out here around the world. There's some good men. There's some good ladies out there. You know, you read your, your song books. Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote 9,000. She's a good woman. You know, she left this planet with 9,000 songs here for us to sing hundreds of years later. I'm thinking, what a thing, Lord. What are we going to leave behind for the next group of people that come by after us? What are we going to leave behind? You know, what, you know, the only way you do that is you've got to find some good men. I like reading Charles Haddon's Purgeon. They'll say, oh, he's a Calvinist. Maybe, in, maybe he is if compared to what he is today, but back in the day, with what he had, he sure did a pretty good job. He said, I, I could see him trying to win souls all over the place. You know why people do stuff like that? Because they get bitter, and they're not grateful, and they've never followed good men. They think they're the good man, and they know. am sorry to tell you, I don't think we all know. Finally, finally, go to John chapter 7, and we'll be done right here. John chapter 7. It's a great, they got a great book here. I want to follow some good men. There's still some good men out there. If you get a chance to listen to someone preach, I think John Mitchell's a good man. I think he had a good heart. He loved God. He's getting up in age now. I haven't talked to him for a while. Probably ought to call him see how he's doing. But I think he's a good man. Uh, there's a guy in Norfolk, Virginia that uh, I need to call Scott Flood and talk to him see how he's doing. I uh, put him on my heart a couple days ago and uh, he's he's going to a, a church out there and Uh, been there for 30-something years, still doing the same thing. The guy's a good man. I know nothing about him. I've heard some people say stuff on one side, stuff on the other. They say the same thing about me. John 7. John 7, verse 9. And it says right here, he says, and when Jesus was coming up to the feast, and it says, and when he had said these words unto them, he abode still at Galilee. He said, y'all going up. And verse 10, and when his brethren were gone up, Then he went also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He is good, a good man. And others say, Nay, but he is a deceiver of the people. You know, you're either on one side or the other of this thing. Really, it's right there. You're on one side or the other. Jesus Christ is either a good man, and that's the one you should be following, or he's the deceiver of the people. That's that little why in the road I was telling you about when we first started this thing. I came down through there one day and says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And it was like the Lord stopped it right there. And the Holy Spirit said, Mike, let's talk. Is it me or evolution? Am I deceiving you or is it evolution? If it isn't me, it has to be evolution. It can't be anything else. Don't make it complicated don't look at the, the, the rings of none. Don't look at none of the space and the stars and time and all this stuff. Don't look at none of that. Did I do this or did I not? And I sit there and thought about that thing probably for a good 40, 50 seconds. That's about all the time it really took. I can remember a conversation. And I'm like, no, it has to be you. It can't be nothing else. So I'm going to go with the Lord. I said, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt every single time. If I ever get to a place where I can't figure it out, I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to err on the side of God. How about that? 43 years later, you know what I'm going to say? I still don't know everything. I look at some of these guys, and I'll never be like them. I'll, I'll never write a book. If I write a book, it'll be one page. The beginning, the end. That'll be about a couple blank pages in between. That'll be it. That's all I can do. I don't, I don't even have to. Elizabeth gave me this thing. Bless her soul. Uh, it, it's some thing that you go out and fill out a page and they'll send you a page. And When it's all said and done, you have a book about your life. I don't even do that. Now, Beth, I think she does hers. Maybe she does mine. Huh? You've done three? She's done three more than me. Uh, I don't even do But I know some people who will sit down and read and read and write and read and write, and write and read and write. I have to force myself to always do that. But he says right here, he says, he is a good man or he deceiveth the people. If he's a good man, just follow him. If he's a good man, then do what he says do. You know, he says, He says, Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. You know, when I read in the beginning, God, that's Jesus Christ. When you read in Revelations, the end, that's Jesus Christ. These words are his. They're not mine, they're his. And when you read these things, what they're supposed to do is apply to you so that you can learn how to walk with good men. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Paul told Titus, Lord, that he's a lover of hospitality and a lover of good men. Lord, help us to know that, uh, that we're all human, and the closer we get to the time you come back and take us out of here, Lord, it's going to get harder and harder and harder and harder to be uh, the Christians that we ought to be. Lord, it's going to get further. We're going to get further and further away from this book, uh, further and further away from the things that uh, you hold dear and what it says to do and Uh, Lord, churches out there, and and even us, Lord, we're going to get to the point where uh, we're going to allow things in our lives, Uh, the convictions we have, we're going to let them go off to the side, and uh, Lord, I already know that you said as it was in the days of Noah, Lord, as it gets closer and closer, uh, it's just going to get, uh, we're going to lose more and more of our desire, Lord, to follow you. I just pray that you'd help us. Uh, Lord, always uh, thank you for the men and the women that you put in front of our lives, Uh, Lord, that set the examples for us, the older ladies and the older men. Lord, help us now to become those older ladies and older men. Lord, that these younger ones can see it. And Lord, learn how to follow you and, and do that. Lord, show us what we need to do. And Lord, thank you for uh, an admonition from Paul, Lord, to Titus, uh, discussing what a bishop should be and, and a lover of hospitality. Lord, help us to never uh, forget that we need to help others as, as they helped us. And Lord, uh, be lovers of good men and, and follow after them and not this world. Uh, bless the prayer service. Lord, I do pray for Tim Bachman now. Lord, that you'd continue to help him to recover. Brother Tom Combs is at home sick. Lord, I just prayed you'd touch his heart and heal him up. Lord, I know he's really, really sick with the flu and sinuses. And Lord, I just prayed you'd take care of him. My brother's down there, I was talking to him. I just pray you'd touch his heart. Lord, touch his body and heal him up. And Father, again, thank you for everything. Bless the prayer service tonight. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.